0: Hello, welcome to episode three of the Ski Instructor podcast. My name is Dave Burrows, I'm the director and owner of Snow Pro Ski School based here in the Port du Soleil. And this week I've got a really uh, interesting interview for you with um, a good friend of mine, Ali McGrane. Uh, Ali is uh, a trainer and instructor um, at Squaw Valley in the U.S., uh, so we're going to get a really different perspective this week on um, on the world of ski instruction. Um, the last two episodes have been quite bayesian centric with Phil Smith and Jazz Lam. Um, Ali is trained uh, within the PSA system, uh, Professional Ski Instructors of America uh, system, and also within the um, within the New Zealand Ski Instructors Association. So, uh, so we've got a couple of different perspectives there. Uh, Ali was over here in Europe, so we have a quite interesting chat. Um, also about his time over here but um but but actually the focus of this one is is probably a little bit more um over the pond focused so uh i hope you enjoy it um enjoy um listening to the conversation that we've had so ali mcgreen welcome to the podcast um thank you yeah it's great um what I the reason I really wanted to get you onto my podcast is because I've talked already to two quite Beesy centric guys. You know, Jazz Lamb is kind of Mister Beesy, and um, and Phil Smith was was kind of there at the, the start of it and was involved right in the centre. But what I wanted is a different perspective. You know, this is the, we're probably going to get a lot of listeners to this podcast from from I guess the US, um, and. And I really wanted to kind of get um, differences in perspective, um, so that that's really why I wanted to wanted to get you on. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it could be really cool. So, really, um, I'm going to give a bit of background because when we we first met, I'm a hundred percent convinced that it was on the common theory basic course somewhere in Scotland. It was yes. It was wasn't it. And uh was, yeah. and we, we spent a week kind of in their, their classrooms. This is when when part of the was it was it was part must have been part of the level three Bayesi where yep, you had obviously. everyone had to make this pilgrimage back to where Bayesi <laughs> started. Which they don't do anymore, by the way. That's gone. Really? Yeah, no no one has to go anymore. Um so, you know, I, I don't know. I it, it seemed like a bit of a rite of passage at the time, you know, we were camping on some I don't know campsite somewhere doing something or other and and uh and went to all of these conferences and to be fair it was pretty good i think the content was cool um but we met then hit it off we, we kind of uh kept in touch and then i think the next time that we saw each other because you came back to europe for some reason and i could you fill us in on why we why were you back in europe what was what was your because you, you were in the us you were doing kind of back-to-back winters us new zealand and then, yeah. for some reason, you popped up in Europe. So, what were you doing at that time? Um, Europe had always been
1: um, something that I'd, I'd wanted to do, somewhere I wanted to to, 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 to go and, and and work. And I'd heard the uh, you know the, the tales of of uh, endless amounts of, of, of money and etc. etc. Um, and and I've never really growing up skiing in Europe. I grew up skiing in, in Scotland. I know Scotland's part of Europe, it's not continental Europe. Um, and I just like to experience different cultures and see in different places, see in different resorts. And it was just always something that was kind of on the on my radar. Um, and I suppose as well, you know, I kinda had aspirations of, you know, maybe one day um, you know attending you know, the, the inter-ski conference and, and, and representing uh, a country and, you know, it, it, it felt sort of right and, and, and fitting to, you know, try and pursue you know, the Bayesian thing to, to represent, you know, Britain some, someday. Yeah. Uh, not that I eventuated. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I'd been, I'd been in the US for, for quite a while and the, the, the whole visa scenario was um, work visa... Was, was really tightening up um, quite a lot. And it had gone from, you know, in the, the early 2000s, gosh, there were probably hundreds of resorts that you could work at in the US on an H2B visa. Um, and uh, at this point that I went to, to, to Europe, things had really tightened up, and there were, there were there were literally a handful of resorts left in the US that you could, that you could um, get an H2B visa for. Okay. So yeah, so I, I'd always wanted to, to, to do it and, you know, the timing was right with um, with all the visa stuff. All
0: right. And so you were in the, if I remember rightly, you were in Verbier. Was that Verbier Correct. first? Yeah. Or the, and then the Three Valleys? I can't remember. You were doing yes. some sort of level four, I don't know, training program or something with Nugen, uh, if I remember rightly.
1: I was working for Nugen as a, as a full-time uh, instructor. Yeah. And, um, Let's let's say full time in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, just because just because the number of hours, nothing nothing else. Yeah. Um, definitely had and and still have um you know a level four training program, um but I wasn't uh, involved in in that, um I was just kind of there to, to, to work and, and do a bit
0: of training my uh, myself. Mm. Okay. Um. And so then I don't know. I'd be, I mean I don't know whether you still you probably you probably had days like this all the time but we still we, we managed, I can't remember why but we popped over to, or I popped over and to, when you were over in the Three Valleys and with, it was Corchevel or something we met in yeah, and we yeah, had an yeah. amazing we, day bombing we, around <laughs> and at that point I thought oh my god I found like a kindred spirit because this guy is as much of a ski geek as I am and uh we spent, I, I don't know, i I. I remember it as a kind of pretty cool day. You know, we we went all over the yes. place. The terrain was pretty cool, um, and uh, and and we chatted a lot, a lot about skiing, uh, which I thought was it was just one of those great days. You know, and I'm really into this concept at the moment where it's not kind of where you ski or what you're doing. It's kind of the people that you're with, and um, and, and that that day really kind of is seared in my memory as a really great great skiing day that we had. Yep. Mm, cool. Um, and then I suppose the, the the Euro dream ended at some point for you, and and you went back to New Zealand, and then the the US. Is that is that is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I I kind of decided that uh, you know I'd, I'd, I'd had enough of uh, of melted cheese and and and, and, <laughs> and potatoes cut in different fashion. Um, I and, hear that. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and I wanted to. Wanted to go back to the to to, to the US, so I um, via a Facebook group called I think it was Snow Sports Instructors of the World. Yeah, I reached out on there, kind of saying, "Hey, you know, who in the US is doing H two B visas?" And seeing as you know, I needed to be to be sponsored to 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 work. Yeah, Um, and two folks who I know um, through PSA who are on the PSA uh, national team got back to me and they said oh hey north star in tahoe are uh, are, are doing h2b visas and and um, for some reason they're specifically looking for sort of new zealand and uh, australian or australian qualified um, you know level threes full certs examiners whatever you want to call them why was that I, that's strange. um i don't I, I, I don't know i actually never i never asked uh, the management, you know, why that was the was the, was the case, mm. um, I can only I can only imagine, and um, it's because the New Zealand system and the Australian system have a pretty good you know reputation around the world, um, for producing you know uh, decent steers and um and, and pretty pretty high quality instructors.
2: Mm. Mm
1: with okay. um, with a with a with a with a really good understanding of you know pedagogy and turn mechanics and biomechanics etc cetera, etc cetera. um so yeah i put a put an application in and uh, was it was accepted and yeah that was that's the, the story of my return to the us <laughs>
0: okay well while we while we're on that so so uh, you were you were in north star so what what were you doing at North Star when you were there what was your your role
1: within um, so so i i started out um as a, they employed me as a advanced educator um, which is sort of a, a level above uh, a a level 3 um instructor and predominantly my role was meant to be uh, instructor training. So training people for, for certification was, our, was, was the main focus. And then when it got busy uh, and the instructors couldn't do training, I ended up teaching privates. And I did that for did that for three, three winters.
0: Oh, check you out. So, so, so you're just doing instructor training all the time and then every now and then you have to come down and get your, your, your hands dirty and teach real people. Yeah,
1: yeah, going to get in the trenches, you know, about ten percent of the time. Yeah, and um, yeah, great, great, great gig. Um, yeah, and um, some, 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 some people in the, the management team at, at Northstar, you know, saw something in me and they wanted to to put me into more of a sort of a, a leadership role. Um, so I got a call uh, over the summer, uh, past summer, um, to say. We are looking for two people to step into these roles as lead trainers at uh, at Northstar. So you would kind of act as a mentor to newer, younger, greener, less experienced trainers. Um, you'd still run uh, certification training, um, write all of the the, the the outlines, you know, the training plans, whether that be for. Five day new hire training, whether that be for ten weeks for um, level three training, etc., yeah. um, etc. Et <clears throat> so I went through the, the interview process there, um, and was 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 offered. There were two positions, and was offered one of them. Mm. Um, the other the other one went to um, uh, the 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 guy who'd originally been brought in with me um three years previous or four years previously on the h2b program there were just sort of two of us brought in that year all oh, right uh, on the ski side of things and um, he was an english guy qualified in the, the australian system and um, so the two of us uh got those got those roles and um yeah so i did, I did even did even less teaching of the of the general public <laughs> uh,
2: yeah
1: and um and then actually started doing less less training and started driving a desk and uh, you know hen pecking at a keyboard a bit more often.
0: Yeah, well, this is the paradox, isn't it, of the high performer? It happens in all all um, organisations. So what happened? It used to happen back in the day before I was a key instructor, you know I was uh, uh, had various jobs in the city and stuff. But the, the I remember one particular broken broken desk that we were on, and and they took the best broker and made him a manager of people and it it, to me that didn't really make sense because what he was extremely good at was being a broker what he was not extremely good at was being a manager and you kind of take that that you know that sales specialist if you like out of the front line or that ski instructor specialist out of the front line and then you put them behind a desk I've, i've never really seen the sense in that
1: yeah yeah, I, 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 I absolutely agree. You know, some some people are just you know, born to do what they do. Some people are born to to, to, to manage and, and lead, and some people are born to you know, like you say, sort of be in the in the front lines. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So I find I find myself sort of being 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 taken away from from my passion a little bit. Actually,
0: standing out in front of the the instructors and um, and delivering delivering clinics with these with these instructors that you're standing in front of and, and clinics are they only or were they only cuz you have moved on now so were they only from North Star or were they yes, that's right. so so it was like yeah. a, a mountain wide North
1: Star skis, ski school
0: employees okay and how many how many instructors do they have on the mountain um i want to say
1: that this season they had about 380 390 ski and snowboard instructors. No, um, I don't know what breakdown is. Just just for ski. That's massive. Um, yeah, it's pretty big considering. You know, I mean, I think Northstar claims that it's it's got thirty five hundred skiable acres. Right. Um, yeah. What
0: does that translate yeah, into good. like um, kilometres and stuff? What's that? Sorry. What does that translate into kilometres? You know, they say like um, Port de Soleil, for example, six hundred and fifty kilometers of pieces or miles of piece. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah it? they don't they don't they don't use that measurement over <laughs> here they just do it by of acres.
0: Okay. That means nothing to me uh-huh. but I'm sure it probably means quite a lot to uh, to some of our people that might be listening from the US. Um, okay and and so the, the new role that you're going to at Squaw, how does that differ from the one that you were doing at North Star? Uh-huh
1: so the role at squaw is um is a staff trainer and, a, and an instructor role okay. um so i spend 50 of, percent of my week um running staff training sessions um and that can be both certification focused and and just personal development focused and then i spend the other 50 percent of my week um skiing with guests
0: teaching real people teaching real people yeah <laughs> Amazing. Okay, cool. Um, When you talk about certification process, then are you certifying instructors through PSIA or are you prepping them for eventual exam taking through PSIA or are you doing that in-house?
1: A little little, little bit of both. So um, I'm employed at Squaw to train people to prepare them for, for exams. And then I'm also employed by PSIA, the Professional Ski Instructors of America Western Division, um, to run educational events uh, for our members, um, but also to um, to certify people um, who, who want to become sea instructors uh, and want to kind of move up the, the, the ladder and, and progress in that sort of certification pathway.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, fine. So, so, and how many people are you running through that certification process a year then
1: or, or a season do you expect um in, in through psia or through squaw i don't know uh, either
0: whichever <laughs> or both <laughs>
1: um i mean as a as a i mean as a as a as a, as a, as a, as a uh, sort of base membership i think we have about three and a half thousand people um who are members of PSA Western Division. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what the, the numbers are of how many new people are coming in each year versus how many people are not kind of paying their dues and sort of leaving the... Mm. Um, but when I, look, when I look at the uh, our events calendar, our events calendar is incredibly busy mm. um, and more and more and more events just keep popping up. Yeah. And, um, and then and then through 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 Squaw. I mean, Squaw must have a, a ski and snowboard school of I'm sort of guessing here a little bit, but I'm I'm guessing you know somewhere between 350 and, and, and 400 ski and snowboard professionals. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've I've now only been working for Squaw for uh, just just under a month. Mm. And out of that, I've, I've probably actually only done about two weeks' worth of work because I've been away for PSIA and just away skiing and, and enjoying myself. Mm. Um, but uh, two two days ago, I had twelve people showing up to attend um, a training for the for the, for, for the level three, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a pretty pretty substantial group. And then I was still getting calls whilst I was out on the hill because others wanted to join.
0: All right. Is the level three, excuse my complete ignorance, the level three is the top level. There's three, is
1: a three tier system. Yeah. 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 So it goes one, one, two, three, and then, um, and it it changes a little bit division to division, but here in Western division we have a a thing called DTA or divisional trainers accreditation. Um, and that's kind of the step, that's kind of a level up above level three. Mm. Um, then after after the, they've gone through the DTA process, there's a an interview process which consists of um, kind of your your, your skiing being evaluated effectively,
2: yeah.
1: um, and then uh, you have to run a clinic for your for your peers, and based off of that, you you either get accepted or you don't to um, or invited rather rather than accepted, you get invited to become an examiner.
0: Oh, wow, okay, amazing. All right. So there's, so, okay. Uh, but you say different, it differs from region to region.
1: Yeah, so um, just recently, actually, uh, PSA downsized from, there were nine divisions, I believe. Right. And two two of them kind of combined to the, I think there were maybe smaller ones. So now we have eight divisions within the US, uh, within PSIA. And each division has, you know, the level one, the level two, the level three and there are national standards that are set out by PSA National. Mm. and that, uh, you know, These are national standards that have to, you know, they're sort of boxes that have to be ticked, criteria that have to be fulfilled for people to get signed off for level one, level two, level three. Mm. But then once kind of beyond that, it's up to the, the the divisions in regards to how they bring people in to kind of join their, their education staff, their, their examiner staff.
0: Oh, okay. So so up to a certain level, so up to level three, you've got the same kind of base criteria nationally that everyone yes. has to ski to and teach to in order to yes. get those certifications. And then regionally after that, it then there's a few kind of local variants as to how they, how, let's say, you you know, the, the equivalent would be how you then go on to be selected as a trainer or something like that. Correct. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, i suppose that america is so vast right that that you're still going to have that sort of you know i think the thing we we forget or certainly i forget is just how vast the country is so i suppose you've got you've got you know you're going to have that sort of regional difference you won't be able to standardize the whole thing in the same way that they have the same thing with with sort of you know laws in, from state to state in the us as well
1: it's interesting the way that they do it uh, in the in the Canadian system. Mm. They kind of have a, a, a an eastern I don't know if it's called a division, but let's call it an eastern division and a, and a western division. Yeah. Um, and um, from from my knowledge, and I, I I could be wrong, or it could have it could have changed. But from from my knowledge, because their top level is the is the level four Mm. and you know like they kind of take a year about so one year the level four would be somewhere in the eastern division the next year the level four would be somewhere in the western division Mm. Um, and 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 from my knowledge again there seems to be a pretty small kind of core group of of examiners who examine the 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 level four Mm. and in order to kind of keep things you know aligned and, and consistent
0: but that isn't that that must be the same in all national systems isn't it it looks like the, the the training body in most countries is is I wouldn't say it's a closed shot, but it's definitely there's only a few people that ever get to examine the the top level. Um, you yeah, know, my experience on yeah, that, I the level think... the level four British yeah, think think is is you know it's always the same faces that keep popping up.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i think i think you know sort of the the difference that you you were relating to the vastness of the 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 expanse of the country the geographical size of it yeah um you know i mean um you'd be hard pushed to have you know i don't know let's say six six examiners who 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 only examine um you know the 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 level three in in the u.s yeah it would just be on a a continuous, uh, continuous road
0: tour of the, of, of the year. endless winter of exam exam assessing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, God, that sounds
0: miserable, doesn't it? Well, it, I, I don't know. Some people, I reckon, would, would probably really get off on that, but who knows? Um, I, you know. Um, so, well, talking of globe trotting to to assess exams. So the last time I saw you, in addition to the day in the Three Valleys, and I'm sure that we there was another day that we spent in Verbier because. You were telling me about how good the tips were in the U.S., which I was kind of amazed by, but that's a, a topic probably for another day. Um, but you popped up in Verbier; must have been last year or the year before. And I don't. Yeah, it, often, was I don't, December,
1: it was December. two years ago.
0: It was, and I don't drop often drop everything, you know, for for anyone, and and go to see them. But you were you were in Verbier assessing, a um, assessing in New Zealand. Examination. Correct. Yeah. So you you are in essence a globe trotting examiner. Um. What what's? <laughs> what, what, are you still doing much work with the NZ SIA, the, the New Zealand uh, Skin Structures Association, or is or is that going um, to for, by the way, no. with your new rock?
1: Um, so I stayed in the in the US this, this past summer after after getting married and uh, filing paperwork the and all that sort of jazz. And mm-hmm. um, so I wasn't able to go back to, to New Zealand. Um, and part of the agreement as a, as an examiner with the with the NZSIA uh, is that you have to go to these uh, yearly. Trainers' Mm. trainings, and I was I was exempt for 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 one year because I had a a good enough reason not to be there. Mm. Um, uh, uh, on the 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 understanding that the following winter I would have to return to New Zealand and do trainers' training and be involved in the in the alliance, um, in order to remain a a current examiner. Yeah. Um, So, uh, this 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 coming summer. Um, my wife Jenna and I are um, sort of weigh, weigh, weighing up the, the options: do we stay in California for the for the summer, or do we head down to? <coughs> excuse me, do we head down to New Zealand um, to do to do another winter? Mm. And if, if we decide not to not to go, um, then that will be the end of me as a as an examiner with the New Zealand Snow Sports Instructors Alliance until such time, you know, we decide to maybe go back and I kind of get, get re-involved in, in things. But as a result of being an examiner with, with NZSA, yeah. um, NZSA is, is kind of going, it's going a little bit global these days. And yeah. um, obviously they, they've brushed off running courses in New Zealand and they, they branched out to Japan, they branched out to China, they're running stuff in, uh, in Switzerland. Um, uh, so yeah, I was I, would, I was asked if I could head over to Switzerland in December of twenty seventeen to run a, a level one exam mm. with a with a, a colleague of mine, uh, Yoyo. Um, yeah, and that's where where we caught up, mate. All
0: right, oh, that's cool. Um, so, well, in that case, while we're going down the road of 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 NZSIA, it, do you think that I see a lot of videos coming out of the Southern Hemisphere, right? And and they yeah. seem to be assuming, and maybe it's just a, a, a micro kind of cosm of what you see on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. But they seem to be going down the road of looking very very much like they're trying to ski in the Japanese style or the Korean oh, really? style. That's that's what it looks like to me with this sort of um, you know constant cross under yeah and there's a big you know have you seen these videos where they're doing that like these kind of. Um, uh, I think they're Japanese or, or Korean uh, technical tests where kind of everyone's yeah, kind yeah. of doing massive cross unders. They have got their arms spread wide, and that sort of looks like to me where the the Southern Hemisphere associations like the Australian and the New Zealand are sort of going with their movement patterns. Is that? Yes. D- does that come? You know, while I've got you on, right? A New Zealand trainer. Is that something that comes from within the organization, or or is that just a few? kind of self-publicists on the internet who are, are are kind of going down that that particular road
1: yeah it tends it tends to be more the the, the latter there Dave um <clears throat> uh you know I've I've, I've seen that the videos that you're the, that you're talking about and they're, they're definitely some people um both within NZSA and uh, APSI the mm. Australian Professional Instructors um you know, uh, who are kind of experimenting and they're they're they're, they're doing some stuff, uh, and there are definitely attributes uh, within the skiing that have you know similarities to you know kind of like you say you know the, the the Japanese, the the, the, the Koreans. Um, when you talk to um, kind of people high up in APSI and, and NZSIA, you look at the manuals. Um, that's that's maybe, you know, kind of the videos that we're that we're seeing on, on YouTube and Facebook, etc. are maybe not one hundred percent sort of a reflection of, of the mechanics that, that those associations are, are actually looking for.
0: Mm. Okay. So 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 it's not a it's not necessarily a national style is what we're saying. Because yep, presumably, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that, that within, say, the, the, the New Zealand manual or the Australian manual, it says you have to ski around like this most of the time. I would imagine that, that no. you know, they talk about the benefits of, of, you know, how to transition across your skis in, in a number of different ways, according to, uh, according to the situation, right? You wouldn't just go everywhere in, in this particular style.
1: Um, you know, when, when when I watch when I watch some of these videos that are that are out there, and you know, it's a very sort of you know pronounced and um, you know sort of you know f- flexion move to change edge, or mm. it's, uh, it's a sort of a, a, a dive across the ski to create some some really high edge angles very early in the arc. Mm. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been noticing, um, and it's sort of typical of, of these sort of movement patterns, is is, is where the pressure uh, is actually kind of you know coming coming on. The pressure tends to come on uh, a little bit, a little bit later in the arc, um, and I can't speak to, to APSI because I'm, I'm, I'm not involved in, in their system. Mm. Um, but NZSIA, um, you know, there's a there's a big influence from from, from World Cup um, ski racing, mm. and so they're, they're 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 really looking for you know lots of lots of ski performance and, and, and lots of. Um, pressure building, building early in the arc or, or earlier in the arc
0: because mm, you see those videos and I wonder, you know, those technical test videos they're very, very strange things but they don't look to me like there's a huge amount of speed control there, those guys look like they, they get faster and faster and faster as they go down the hill you're yeah, right, the pressure yeah. comes late, you can see that from where the snow sprays and yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a very very specific niche thing I think that those those kind of technical tests with that particular style, yeah, I, I would be wary yeah. of going down that road myself if I was, um, you know, if I was looking for a style to ski in or an experimentation sort of road to go yeah. down.
1: Yeah, when um, it's funny that mentioned you mentioned the speed control, and um, because I was talking to some of the, the guys who are on the were on the New Zealand um, demo team for the for the last Inter Ski mm. um, in in Argentina, and. Um, you know, they were they were saying that that some of the some of the demonstrators um, from you know, the countries that you've been you've been talking about, sort of you mm. know Korea and Japan, etc. Um, they said that they, they were it was it was incredibly impressive at how fast they were going down the hill. Yeah. But they made a similar comment in regards to in regards to speed control.
0: Mm. No, it, uh, well, it's kind of how it is because when you look at a, a cross underturn, right? If you're crossing under all the time. In the transition, your ski is, it's the quickest way to get get, get the skis through, and the skis shoot through in that cross-under yeah. transition, right? So every time you do that, you're getting faster and faster and faster. There's only so much pressure you can yeah. dump, right? And, and that looks to me like one of the objectives of, of, of those technical tests is can you manage that crazy pressure? That sort of looks like
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe that's what they're judged on. I have no idea. I'm fairly ignorant of it, to be honest. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I, when I was working, when I was working in New Zealand uh, a, bunch, a bunch of years ago, um, a, a buddy down there, uh, Jay San who um, was from, who is from, from, from Korea, South Korea, mm. um, and he he now works in, in Japan, and he was telling me at that point that the reason that um, kind of the, the 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 Koreans uh, ski uh, the way that they do mm. is uh, partly because. The, the, the general public think it looks cool and right. um, so in an effort to, to to attract people to the to the sport and, and to retain people they have there's an element of kind of keeping keeping them 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 happy with with the, the aesthetics
0: mm. yeah okay well that sort of makes sense then doesn't it um Okay. Yeah, and also I noticed that all of those videos, right, those videos where people are doing that, they're only doing it on a certain pitch, of slope. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't ever yeah. look like it's steep. It doesn't ever look like it's icy. Yeah. And I, I wonder yeah. if they can make the same definitely. moves on on something that's really steep. I know, you know I know that you see guys crossing under on the World Cup. The World Cup is a is a is a whole different beast, right? Um, yeah. But but also you see you see in the World Cup they're not everyone's crossing under in the World Cup. Yep. You know they're yep, using a real blend there of of all yep. sorts of different bits and pieces and essentially it would. Don't know to me it just looks like they're doing whatever works at any given time. There's no set movement pattern. It's like what is appropriate uh, for uh, here. Yeah, absolutely, and we also we don't we don't know when we watch World
1: Cup skiing, watch any skiing for that matter. We don't know the intention at that one moment in time. Mm. You know, was their intention to, to move the body in such a, a fashion or was the intention to, you know, I, I, they got late on, on, on a previous gate and they're just doing whatever they need to, to recover their, 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 their line. Mm. Um, and, and I think that, that, that sometimes we kind of fall into that trap of, you know, we, we watch, you know, one turn over and over and over again we kind of see certain things happening and we try to emulate that. Um, but that might have just been a recovery maneuver
2: mm. yeah
1: and so we end up trying to em- emulate something that's potentially not um, you know something that, that that athlete is actually trying to you know constantly constantly do
2: yeah
1: and going going back to your, your, your point about about um, the pitch or that we kind of see people seeing a lot on on these social media clips and yeah, it does it tends to be um, you know what looks like a fairly innocuous blue terrain, and mm. um, that said, um, I remember seeing a, radio, a video from Riley McLashion yeah. a few years ago, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's 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 a big you know self promoter I and mean, lots of videos out there. Um, thoroughly nice bloke mm-hmm. as well, um, and he he made the same comment. You know, people people comment the fact that they constantly. It looks like I'm doing this this stuff on on pretty mellow terrain, and mm. uh, I think he was it was over somewhere in, in in Europe, and he sort of took a, a, a video side on as they were going up the, the, the I believe it was a T-bar at the time,
2: mm.
1: so you give a you get a real true perspective on, on what that that slope angle is, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it was considerably uh, steeper in that profile shot than you know, what it looked like, um, you know, head on. Um, so you know, they say that the, the camera add 10 pounds well I wonder if the camera also drops 10 degrees
0: <laughs> uh, yeah something like that isn't it and slope, slopes never look this, as steep as they actually are when you're facing them head on but yeah um, for sure but I will say I mean Riley looks like someone who doesn't necessarily ski to a, a particular shape you know he's doing whatever whatever he doesn't see some you know he's an excellent skier for sure but I've, I heard separately from an extremely good source you know, down who who is down in New Zealand often. And that a lot of these videos that are being made by some of the usual suspects are only done on a certain steepness of pitch because they can only... is the only place that you can do that kind of thing. But in, yeah, in essence, there was some playing with the speed of it as well. So they might turn it up, you know, 8%, 10%, which I thought was really, really... I was shocked when I heard that, but not surprised, because I don't yeah, think you yeah, can. Yeah, I've noticed. Yeah,
1: I've not. I've noticed exactly the exactly the same thing. Um, and you watch a skier skiing down the hill, and you think, by by God, they're they're skiing incredibly fast. Mm. And then then you start to watch some of the some of the people in the, in the background. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, you can definitely see the people in the background, and um, you know, moving moving faster than a, a normal person would. And yeah, they they've. It would appear that they have have increased the the, the, the speed of the video.
0: Mm, it would be a bit dishonest that because it's kind of promoting a look to a certain you know a certain look and a certain style and uh, and, yeah. and you know that isn't necessarily achievable without speeding up. So it's um, yeah, yeah not cool. While we're while we're on the subject of New Zealand and and so you've 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 spent some time sorry, not on the subject of New Zealand, New Zealand Ski Instructors Association. So you've now spent quite a lot of time um, within various frameworks. So you spent a bit of time with the British Association of Instructors, uh, yep. Professional Ski Instructors Association of America and the New Zealand Instructors Association. What yep. I, I is, when I've looked through, so I've, I've now spent considerable amount of time in, in the British and the Swiss um, system and essentially we're all talking about the same thing. yeah there's nothing really new under the sun in 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 ski instructing I don't think um, within reason what, what do you see much of a difference between what what is being preached by those by the three members associations that, that you're you're into?
1: Um, yeah I do, I do, I do see I do see some some, some, some differences there. Um, and I think I think part of the reason that we that we see differences um, is down to terrain and, and snow conditions. Um, you know, when the when the snow is softer, um, you know, consistently soft, you can kind of get away with you know getting the ski up on edge, for example, and and, and maybe not you know balancing you know too strongly against the, the outside ski, mm-hmm. um, and the thing's still going to come around. Whereas if you're, you know, maybe skiing on, you know, bulletproof um, icy type conditions, then you know, what I just the technique I just talked about may may not work so so well, and mm. um, so we kind of see some 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 variations there. But I also think it it comes down to the general public because at the end of the day, um, you know, we're 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 selling we're selling a product, um, and we're trying to you know retain. Uh, business, and we're trying to attract business, um, and what the what the public want um, varies, you know, region to region place to place to place. Um, and and what, I, what I've noticed, certainly here in in uh, sort of the, the west coast of the states in Western Division, uh, and when I worked in in Utah in Intermountain Division, um, is the public are not, by and large, the public are not that fussed about. Um, you know sort of dynamic skiing um you know high performance skiing and yeah. um, they get get to a certain point and they, they want to explore the mountain they want to get into the bumps they want to get into the steeps they want to go ski some some chutes and and jump off of things yeah. um, you know and they're, they're, they're they're quite adventurous and i think that that, um, that maybe influences the the uh, sort of the, the, the direction um that that, that uh, that that that's instructor systems go, uh, and maybe kind of what they, they focus on and the the the, the turn mechanics and the, the biomechanics.
0: Hm. I see that a lot in um it's on on various groups to do with American instructors, and every now and then there'll be a pop up, there'll be a, a U.S. instructor pop up, and he said, "You know, enough of this technical chat. It's all about fun." And so, yeah. Is the client having fun? I was like, well, you know, it's kind of more to it than that, but I kind of see his point. Um, from yeah. a, from a guest guest perspective I guess is it's a little bit more yeah. focused on making sure that the guest has a good time would that be fair to say
1: I, 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 absolutely um yeah there's a big there's a big sort of customer service uh, component uh, over here in the in the US mm-hmm. um, and and a lot of that comes down to I mean almost every instructing system that I've been uh, sort of associated with when you look through um, you know, they kind of have like a teaching model or a teaching cycle and almost every system has something in there about negotiating some goals, you know, so you're kind of finding out what the, what the guest wants and you've had a bit of a look at them skiing, like this is what the guest needs and then you sort of um, you know, compromise a, a, a little bit or you kind of negotiate those those, those goals. Because, mm. um, you know, if somebody comes along and they say, oh hey, you know, I want to I learn to, to to ski bumps, navigate some, navigate way down some bumps, mm. and you end up teaching them, you know, to do a high-performance, medium-radius turn, um, you know, you, you might have increased their, their 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 skiing skill, you know, tenfold, but if it's not what they want, then, you know, chances are maybe they're, they're not going to come back. Maybe they are. Maybe they're going to kind of see the, see the light, and um, but there's the chance that they're kind of going to say, I've paid, just paid, you know, $850 for an all-day private lesson. You yeah. didn't give me what I what I wanted.
0: I'm going to come back to that. I'm actually just going to write that down on my US versus Europe thought bubble here, pricing. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so, so, so you think part of it comes down to how focused the systems are on the guest, and I'd say probably in the yeah. US that you've got – because the mountain, because the mountain owns the ski school and everything is done and within, you know, th- there's no independence, right. In the U S as far as yeah. I understand. Um, so it's about essentially the guest experience. And so your, your, your system develops because of that. And then it might've developed also in the U S because you've got, you know, traditionally quite soft snow on the West coast. And then on the East coast, you've got this kind of bulletproof icy stuff. Um, you, I I don't know whether that's that's actually covered necessarily in the PSA, but how does then does that relate to say how the New Zealanders come at it?
1: Um, so I I think I think that I think that, that New Zealand has a really well rounded system, mm-hmm. um, and and one thing I wanted to, to talk about that sort of relates to to this is um, you know in 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 Europe. And um, you know, they 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 groom the pisted runs and ski patrol kind of take care of the the pisted runs. And mm-hmm. um, but if you want to go kind of off piste skiing, and um, you know you, you better make sure that you've got some friends and you've got a transceiver and probe and shovel and you you and your friends know how to how to use it. Yeah. Um. And and I think that that sort of maybe deters, um, you know, the safety aspect or the risks rather, maybe deter people from kind of doing as much of that sort of off-piste skiing, you know, as, as maybe over here in the US or, or in New Zealand, because mm. the way that it's set up uh, here in North America and, and New Zealand and Australia, for that matter, is, you know, kind of the mountain is the mountain with its, its, its kind of rope line, its boundary line around it, and everything within that, for the most part, is, um, is taken care of by, by ski patrol. So it's fair game. Basically. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, ski patrol look at things, go okay. Well, you know that is off piece. Don't groom it, but that might slide. Let's let's bomb it. Um, you know, set off an avalanche and, and, and you know make sure that it's it's safe for people. And so I mean, you get the same situation in, in, in New Zealand, um, so people are potentially you know a little bit more adventurous because the risks are lower.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Um, yeah, and you know, certainly, you know, when I was um, sort of involved in 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 BASI, don't get me wrong, you know, they, they, there's there's still a, you know a sort of an, an, an off piecey you know component to to the exams, um, but you know, proportionally, that was that was that was much smaller than um, you know for example when you do the, the level three in the states mm-hmm. I've added my, my level three over here I think we did I think we did three runs on piece um uh, in, in in the whole exam and everything else was done in the bumps, in the soft snow, the powder, the seats, etc. etc.
0: Alright. Oh, That's an interesting yeah. difference.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's you know kind of you know it's yeah, basically tended to, to spend more time, you know, on peace and, and certainly in, in Western division when I did my exam, um it was it was the same sort of proportion, but that was that was that was off piste. Mm. Um whereas in New Zealand um they seem to have a, a nice blend of the of, of the two and sort of equal amounts of, of time and, and, and focus on the, the piece performance um aspect, but also you know, kind of yeah, skiing, skiing that situational stuff,
0: the bumps and the steeps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Okay, so, so, so really, the the, the, the biggest differences you see probably, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into what you said, but, but, it it comes from how how the mountains are, way in in the US versus, uh, US and New Zealand versus versus Europe, but in addition probably it would be fair to say wouldn't it that the or the British association and the New Zealand association is probably slightly more technically focused would that be be fair to say uh,
1: in, in in regards to to on on piece you know, yeah
0: on piece performance um, schemes, i suppose performance is yeah 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 okay
1: that's probably a, a, a fair summation of it
0: yeah yeah okay um, good and and from the teaching side uh, is, is I mean we t- we've been talking about the technical side and how to you know what's what the components are, um from from uh, sort of skiing on and off piece and, and whatever in the three systems. But from the teaching point of view, are there any differences that that kind of jump out of you at you. Within within those three systems too. For example, in the British system, I still don't think there's enough focus on teaching. Right, and, and right. I'll put that on record, I, I, it's I, fine. I think it should be doubled at least. But um yep. you know, because it, it rewards those people that can ski extremely well, but what it doesn't do is reward those people that can teach extremely well. Um Yeah. And and and
1: bearing in mind, you know, I didn't actually ever doing do a, a teaching exam in in the British system, you know, a lot of my qualifications from other parts of the world. Um, you know kind of got got transferred across um, and yeah. so I didn't have to have, have to do it but I've spoken to you know plenty of people like yourselves who have um you know made that similar sort of sort of statement and um, so I can't I can't talk to it you know personally because mm. I've never had a first-hand involvement with it but I have heard many people um you know sort of the same sentiment as yourself and um, now for, 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 for many years System was um, you know kind of people thought it was it was very prescriptive uh, insofar as you know it's like here are the whatever twelve steps that you kind of go through for a for a short term and in the an exam we want to see you you know kind of you know go through these steps one through one through twelve mm. um, and I think in some regards um, NZSIA got a got a bad rap. Um, you Know kind of, oh, it's just it's like um, and real learning, All you're doing is regurgitating, yeah. Um, and I can, I can, I can understand where people are coming from, but but the other side of the coin is that, um, even if people didn't have a you know phenomenal knowledge of it, could pull out of their, their back pocket. Um, and they could do, uh, and they could slot so not a member of the general public that they're teaching, you know, kind of into into that progression. And um, so I think it, uh, it gave people a really good baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of people out there who say that the, the, the real learning occurs once you got your level three in, in in New Zealand or or, America or level four in, in Britain. There, mm-hmm. um, and I think I think, I think that's that. You know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in that being the case. Um, I learned a lot since getting my first you know, level three qualification in 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 two thousand and four. Um, yeah, I think that I think that um, the New Zealand system maybe kind of got slightly cut down for that prescriptive um, idea, but I do actually massively see the benefit of it.
0: And well, that um, kind of and
1: in, in subsequent yeah. years. There you go. Sorry, dude. That that so
0: that, that I mean that. Wrote kind of rote learning prescriptive style of learning, worked awfully well for many men. I'm not saying necessarily in skiing, but if you think about our parents and our grandparents' generation, that's how they were taught. They weren't taught in any yeah. kind of modern modern way. They seem to be yeah. pretty pretty educated. They seem to know quite a lot yeah. of stuff. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think there's anything necessary. It's just another style of doing the same thing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't ab- necessarily absolutely. have to be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think, you know, there are many people in this world who sort of fall into that that way of thinking of it's different, therefore, it's wrong. It's not what I do, therefore, it's wrong. Um, you know, it's maybe a little bit kind of closed minded. Um and that's the
0: world all over and, at the moment, isn't it, Ali? Like you you're either it, in it, one it, camp it, or the other. Yes. You know, it's yes, it, especially where you thing. are in the US, but it's getting more and more like that in here in Europe as well, you know if you don't especially you know you see there's plenty of people out here chatting to me about you know things to do with brexit and stuff and you know you can't be anywhere in the gray area in the middle in brexit or you can't like a bit of it and not like another bit of it you're either you know you're either an absolute fool or you agree with me and you know that's how it is and i imagine it's much the same in the u.s when you probably get into discussions about the politics that are going on over there the whole world is so polarized and it doesn't doesn't necessarily need to be like that i don't think
1: no, 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 and I and I, and I think um, you know, having having involvement in, in multiple um, systems over, over multiple years, you know, I've been able to kind of pick and choose the bits that I, that I like, and I can use that uh, you know to benefit my, my own mm. skiing, but also use it to benefit um, the, the, the the trainees and the and the guests that I'm, that I'm hanging out with. Mm. Um, it just gives me sort of some versatility and, and, and adaptability um but you know some 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 people um you know all all they know is is, is one thing um and uh, you know, anything else is a little bit scary and you know when it's a little bit scary we tend to we tend to cut it down though mm,
0: mm. no it's true and I think you need to have that kind of breadth of experience so you can kind of pick and choose what what works I mean I know that I have, I don't know, when I'm on the teaching hill, there are certain things that I'll, I'll go over time and time again, but I'll almost be jumping from kind of one set of learning into another set of learning, or, or one set of kind of theory into another set of theory, and I'll just take what what I know, or what I've read here and there. In fact, you know, even... Uh, yeah, for example, I read something the other day that was written by um, Jonathan Ballou, the PSA. I was like, Oh, yeah. that's really, really interesting. Fine. I can take that away and I can sort of file that over there and I can pull that out when I need to pull it out. Um, yes. you know, and you'll take bits and pieces from different systems. And I think if you've got kind of that breadth of experience, um, or breadth of kind of knowledge of different ways of doing things, I think that makes a, a valuable, valuable difference, um, to, certainly to your clients, right? Because if you've only got one yeah. way of solving a problem, or maybe you know maybe the answer lies in a different thing entirely in a different you know maybe the, it lies in the the way that the Swiss look at things or something like that. Yep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the real the real strengths of um both uh the NZSIA and PSA National is their their open mindedness mm-hmm. and their progressiveness and they're they're willing to challenge dogma. Um. And I think you know part part of that with, with the New Zealand Alliance is that you know, they're they're small. I mean, if I was to guess how many examiners they have on staff, you know, maybe maybe forty or, or, or fifty mm-hmm. somewhere in, in that, that that
2: sort of realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and because
1: you know people by and large tend to go to different places in the northern hemisphere, Japan, US, Canada, Europe, etc., etc., mm-hmm. et then they come back to New Zealand. Um, it becomes a sort of like this melting pot of, of knowledge and and, and ideas, mm. um, and the Kiwis just seem to be pretty pretty open minded um, people and willing to kind of you know have a bit
2: of a crack at things and give it a go, mm.
1: and if it, if it doesn't work, then you know so be back doing what you're doing before, um, but I think that's as as a it's a huge strength uh, of the the ends um, and I have seen. I've seen how they've changed and rolled and, and, and progressed uh, in the last, you know, 15 years since since I got my my level three down there, mm. um, and the, the teaching exam now is far less, you know, prescriptive. Um, and when I did my exam, um, you know, there was one teach that we that that, that we did, and um, there were other components, obviously skiing and movement analysis and technical discussions, but we only had to do one actual you know, teaching um to, to, to teaching presentations. Yeah. Um and, and one of them kind of can be um uh what's the word I'm thinking of? Um you can kind of plan it out, you know, mm. in 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 advance. Yeah. Um and then there's um, the, the, there's another one where it's a case of you kind of you know have a bit of a look of the I don't know if it's a, an individual in the group or, or if it's a, kind of the, the whole group um, and do something with the group mm. uh, or the other or person that, that, that actually improves them um, there you know, in, in real time um, so you have to you have to be able to think on your feet you have to know um, turn mechanics and battle mechanics in, inside out you've got to be able to um, to engage people uh, so that um you no know, they they they're motivated and they and they and they have that willingness to to to, to try stuff and to and to change and, and to improve
0: it's funny that we did um a, a, this is this is a massive tangent well but not that much of a tangent because when you become a real ski teacher after you've done all these kind of fake exams and this is this is probably one of my bugbears with with the british system um but in the swiss system and i've had this in 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 in, in in two aspects, but in, in the Swiss system, what they do is they let you loose on real people yes. as part of your exam. Um, you know, and you see these guys in the middle of their exam. They're surrounded by actual kids, you know, with real life situations going on. Um, yes. And I did, uh, I also did a uh, recently a Swiss uh, Football Association um, qualification. So we spent five days in a you know a classroom and then on the pitch doing uh, various bits and pieces you know, to do with the theoretical stuff, but they said on Friday we're going down to I can't remember where it was FC I don't know, FC Villeneuve or something like that, and we went down. and They said yeah. you will, you will be delivering a session with um with with live kids of of this age, and there they were. You know, we went down there and the kids were lovely, but you know you had to actually have a real session that 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 you delivered. And, you know, there I was in the middle of it. Now, you could then, then what happened was you could see the guys that were really, really doing it. So, were already involved in the clubs, already um, teaching, already kind of had a a sort of body of experience and knew how to deal with kids. And they did extremely well because they were just kind of used to it. Or they had that kind of experience to know that when, you know, kids are kids and things start to go wrong and you just got to kind of got to roll with it. The guys that didn't have that kind of level of experience, that didn't have that experience, really, really struggled um, on on their exam. And when you look at the way that some of these associations are structured, and the British Association is, is one of those, right? You, you see all sorts of people who kind of get their way through the system, having done minimal teaching. You know, they might have had some of their hours signed off and they haven't done necessarily all of them. And they've done kind of maximum, you know, two weeks worth of teaching exams in total. Yeah and they pop out the other end and and they haven't really been in any situation you know they haven't had that situation where you arrive at the top of a lift and your client's waiting for you and the office hasn't given you any information about that client so you're kind of literally making it up as you go along just that situation that you just talked about there you know you you really got to know your topic um it's 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 a really interesting subject that and I'm I'm convinced that there's not that that's something that a lot of instructor associations should put into their into their system is actual yeah you know actual sessions in front of your peers but with real clients or or assessed sessions yeah. with real clients, you know you'd have to make it happen somehow with a local ski school or something, but it's it's a real yeah. you know you you could get the local ski school to say hey you know free lessons, um know, yeah, free ski lessons but you know it will be it will be done by one of our trainees or something like that um yeah for sure yeah i mean it would be tremendously useful for people to come through the who coming through the system instead of having this sort of fake fake exam situation where you're kind of teaching your peers and they're pretending to be seven years old and they can all ski perfectly doesn't work like that in the real world
1: yeah yeah in the the, the nz instruction system once you and go beyond level three and there's a thing there called the, the, the trainer's certification, mm. um, which is sort of a, a precursor um, to, you know, potentially becoming, becoming an examiner. And um, when you do the the, the trainer's cert, um, you have to deliver, uh, I think it's three, three, three different clinics. Right. Um, and there's a, there's a, I can't remember if it's one or or, or two of those clinics, and um, but they're actually delivered to real life adults who wanna be um one want, wanna to, wanna to be uh, ski instructors. All right. Um uh, which is just you know and it's it's a one on one, here's your here's your one person that kind of been, you know, training for for their for, for their their level one, they maybe haven't sat the, the actual exam yet, mm. you know, you have an hour make this person better, make yeah. the person keep. And then again, because um, there's a whole uh, exam kind of situation that you have to go through. You know, once you become a, a level one examiner in the New Zealand system, when you want to become a level two examiner, level three, et cetera, et cetera there's a there's a whole exam um, process that you, that you have to go through. So again, to, 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 to move up. And and uh, examine at a higher certification level. Um, again, you have to deliver a couple of clinics, and again, these are delivered to to real life instructors. Mm. So when I was um, you know trying to get signed off for the, the to become a level two examiner, um, I got given a group of people, and you know here's your here's your topic. Do it on these people and and, and make them make them better. Um, and then, and then you've got whatever forty five minutes to, to do that. And then you had to do the, do the same uh, again to a different group with a, with a different book. Mm. Um, and it just becomes it becomes like a real life scenario situation, and um, as opposed to kind of what you're talking about this kind of this 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 fakeness where you're kind of dealing with adults who are playing you know seven year olds or fourteen year olds or or mm. whatever and um, and they can kind of do everything absolutely absolutely perfectly
2: yeah
0: yeah uh, it's 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 not you know it's it's just not real is it um yeah it's funny so i, I told i'm sure i told the story in a previous podcast but so we've got a new guy that i've just taken on who's a, a level one british guy he's um he's getting on really well he's getting rave reviews from from clients and stuff like that but uh but he's starting to now understand the real kind of realities of ski teaching you know i'm kind of shoveling shoveling like three-year-old kids his way so like, okay well you know, you've had all the you've had yeah you know, i started him off with a couple of nice things you know a couple of kind of 10 year olds who could really ski parallel whole mountain you know go and teach him some tricks or something in the snow park but um but now he's starting to get some more interesting stuff you know i gave him i don't know two three-year-olds the other day so okay we'll see how you get on with that for an hour and uh yeah. and you know various other kind of difficult problems that all will these real life situations when he goes ahead and sits his basie two, he's going to be super confident because he's kind of, he's dealt with real people. You know, he hasn't just kind of done, you know, a bit of shadowing here and there and then gone ahead and had his hours signed off and gone and done his, uh, gone and done his next level. You know, he's, he's, he's really getting stuck into, to the real guts of ski teaching, which is, you know, it's not easy. And, uh, and you've kind of got to adapt to whatever's thrown in front of you on any given day.
1: Yeah, and and, and and let's let's be honest. You know, certification is is is, is nice to become more certified. You know, whether it's whether it's a personal goal, and um, you know, it's to step up. But ultimately, it's not about the certification. It's about the product, the end product that that, 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 that person, regardless of what level they have, is giving to the to the, to the guest, and. Um, you know, and I've seen plenty of those situations where you've got somebody who's gone through the system very, very quickly, done minimal amounts of, of teaching mm. um, and, and maybe they don't have a natural affinity with people. You know, their interpersonal skills are not, you know, wonderful. You know, mm. their emotional intelligence is, is, per, is perhaps lacking. Yeah. And then on, on the other end of the spectrum, you can have somebody who maybe has no, no formal qualifications um, but they would have that just you know, ability to, to, to relate to people. They have that that, that emotional uh, intelligence. Mm. Um, it's a very very and,
0: underrated part of being a ski instructor.
1: I yeah, think. absolutely. And I I don't I don't know if we are doing people you know instructors uh, a, a, a favour or doing them a disservice, and, and if we're doing a disservice to. Um, General public at large, who are who are coming to take lessons, mm. um, you know, if we're sort of rushing people through education levels um, without, having, you know, having done done some of the the, the teaching um, and and learning the trade, learning learning their their their, their craft, and mm. um, and part of it, to be honest, is you, you learn so much out there on the snow by making mistakes realizing that you made a, made a mistake recovering it in, in that lesson mm. and then realizing that you do that in a, in a, in a subsequent lesson
0: yes yes yeah yeah banking away that knowledge and then kind of drawing on it at a later date it's uh, yeah yeah it's incredible the, the one of the biggest the biggest I think difficulties I want say it was say difficulty actually is the wrong word one of the, the biggest kind of uh, things that I find is that I really get into the swing of my teaching probably by about January but uh, on any given new season but you've gained so much yep. in the previous season that the months you know depending on how long your season lasts the months from say the end of April all the way through to December before you start getting going again unless you've got quite a good recall for all of the all of the lessons that you've done in the years before you kind of lose a little bit of that flow before you really get going into the new season i've i've absolutely you know you kind of it, it takes me a while to feel completely at ease you know without kind of rushing without trying to pile loads of information to the client that, that that maybe doesn't need to go in there and and as i get more yeah. experienced at this and, and, and older and wiser i'm kind of actually i'm almost turning down the inputs that i'm giving into people trying to minimize them almost to, to, to the purest form you know like one sentence yeah. maybe two sentences max you know, try this, yeah, it might feel like this. Um, it, it, Yeah, and, and I think that is a kind of distilling process of all of the lessons that have gone before, if you see what
1: I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I experienced that um, this year when I came back. Um, I had my, my first summer off in 20-something years where I wasn't in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, kind of... Um, or you know, doing back to back winters. Mm. I'd had, you know, five or five or six months um, away from being on snow and, and talking about it and delivering clinics and, and lessons and, and whatnot. Um, and I knew the information I wanted to deliver. I knew that how I wanted to, to pace the information. Mm. I knew that I didn't want to over the, 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 the trainees. However, I found myself just slightly stumbling over my words. Yeah. Um you know, but that 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 recall, yeah, that that recall for like, how do I succinctly say, you know, this this one point, um, wasn't wasn't quite there no. after after having the like, six months off.
0: It's funny the temptation I think towards the, certainly at the start of the season for me is you know that you do that thing where you deliver the thing that you want to say, and then the temptation is to just, just add a little extra qualifier on the end of it, and then maybe another one. And as the season progresses, I find myself doing less and less of that. So I'm kind of, okay, I've just said my piece now, ski, try it, and we'll talk about it, you know, in 25 turns time. It's yeah. not, you know, if, if need. yeah, if need be this thing, not, you know, as opposed to this thing, oh, and think about this and maybe this, and that's too much, you know, it's got to be like one, one succinct point I think is, is, is where the clarity in ski teaching comes in. If you can kind of boil it down yeah. to its purest part
1: yeah absolutely you know I look at the I look at the cat model and and if, if memory serves correctly you know the CAC model talks about with with adults you can you know like three to five directions or steps or instructions where you want to put to um, and I'm just finding like you know if I gave people like hey I want you to focus on this and you're skiing and I want you know, we're going to meet down at this point here, and you're going to leave eight, eight turns between each person. Yada yada yada. And yeah. um, people, people, people could 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 not do that. Um. You know, those adults were not able to follow those those three. You know, sort of simple instructions. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, so I've found myself absolutely just just simplifying things. Mm. Um. You know a sensible gap, meet at this point, focus on, on this. So ultimately they've got they've got two things there. We're meeting at such and such a point, and I've got to focus on this in my in my skiing. Yeah. Um, and in conjunction with that, you know, for 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 years I kind of thought, oh well, you know, they talk about multitasking as a as a thing. And uh, it's like men, men, men lack the ability to, to, to do that. Mm. And so when I was skiing with with with, with female trainees, you know, female guests. You know, I'm, I might give them two things to, 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 to think about um, you know hey make sure you control your speed by doing blah 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 at the end of the turn and balance on your outside ski for example mm. and then for a few years a few seasons in, in New Zealand um, I was skiing self-confessed um, world's leading neuroscientist I don't know if that was the case or not they told me it was <laughs> right. she was and <laughs> uh, and she was telling me that, that multitasking um, in, in her mind really was a, was a sort of a, a fallacy and that, um, you know, we, we, you, you, you can do it, but how if, you know, the, the efficiency of it is, just, is so lacking that you might as well just focus on, on one thing and do that one thing, you know, well and, and efficiently and, you know, do it the majority of the time. Well, rather than I've, I've, thinking yeah, about two I've
0: read two a, things. I've read um, a similar thing which said actually the brain doesn't multitask, can't multitask. All that it is is it's good at doing, or it, it, those people that think they're good at multitasking are actually just, you know, doing a number of individual tasks, in a in a in a sort of order. So multitasking yeah. isn't actually a thing at all. So actually, if you can if you can keep your ski if you can keep keep your ski chat or your your inputs into the client into you know really really simple things i think i think that benefits people
1: yeah absolutely and when you start to compare that with you know the skills acquisition model and mm. um, you know it talks of, you know the, the average person and it's not average I, I i get that and i'm probably the type of person who drags that average number up but it says that average is you know 10, 10 hours of, of repetition yeah and um, to, to 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 ingrain something and it talks about in that associated. Of, of learning, um, you know, when you change a, 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 a variable, we add a focus um, that our performance at, um, at doing that that, that 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 motor skill drops. Mm. Um, so yeah, the, the, the more I've kind of got into the some of the the series of, uh, um, the, the the more I've try to simplify things and, and just focus on, on one thing at a at a time. And mm. um, when I'm out skiing skiing with people, I try not to fall into that, that typical ski instructor um, trap of mm. hey, you've just done two runs, you know, doing this this one focus really well. Now let's let's change it, let's move on and let's add a second. Mm. You know, now I'm kind of I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to kind of consolidate yeah. um and and, and and not not consolidation with being like, hey, you've done it really well here on these two uh, these two runs on these blue, this blue groomer. Now let's go off piste, or you know let's go into something steeper, or let's go go faster. And with my knowledge of the skills acquisition model, I'm like, okay, you've done it on, on, on these two on these this this blue run here. You've done it twice, great. Mm. Let's go into a different groomed blue run and do it there. Yeah. Um, you know, unless let's spend the rest of the day trying to see all ruined blue runs. and trying to do it in in all of them, mm. um, so, we, so that we really consolidate that. Um, you know that uh, that muscle memory um, before we before we kind of throw anything too challenging at them, and then you know the performance dropping and. Um, because you know, I, I ultimately kind of think you know value value for money um, mm. especially here in the in the US lessons are incredibly um, incredibly expensive mm. um, and I don't be doing doing anything that's actually hindering their progress or it is um, actually kind of causing their progress to, well, not for them to, to deteriorate rather than progress
0: yeah you can move them up the scale too quickly right?
1: For
0: sure, yeah. I hope you enjoyed the first half of uh, this podcast. I think there was some interesting stuff in there about movement analysis in uh, in national styles. Um, what I wanted to say was that um, this is the first interview that, I've, that I haven't have recorded in person. So uh, if you can imagine that I was sitting at my desk here in, in the Port de Soleil, um, you know, with with a microphone and also a, a laptop in front of me trying to make it work in this sort of Heath Robinson way so I uh, yeah, apologize for if, um, if if the connection on Skype dropped out at all because and you missed some of it but um, that was literally the only way that we could make this happen and obviously Ali is over there in uh, in Lake Tahoe and uh, and I'm here uh, in Switzerland so um, it's the best that we could do but I think the audio came out pretty cool. Um, the second half, uh, we we delve into some other topics. Um, specifically, one that's quite interesting to do with uh, ski lesson pricing in the US and how much instructors are paid, um, and uh, and where where all that uh, that money goes. I know that's a, a constant hot topic uh, in the world of US ski instructing. So, enjoy the second half, and uh, and I'll see you for episode four. I've got a couple of cracking ones coming up uh, in in the second half of this ski season as well. So, uh, enjoy. See you soon. Well, since we're talking about differences, it's a nice little segue you brought me into. So there I was the other day in the car park at Moorjean, and I was basically standing in a muddy puddle because the sun has hit (laughs) the car park, and there I was, kind of my boots covered in mud, trying to work out how to get them in the back of the car without covering the back of my car in mud. And I remember one thing that you said to me once. You said that Europe sucks for that. You're constantly getting changed in car parks. <laughs> and, uh, and in the US, you have this nice, cozy locker room with your own locker with all your skis in it. You know, picture a girlfriend on the door. Uh, that kind of thing. Um, from a ski instructor perspective, what do you see as the, the main differences between kind of European skiing and, and, and US skiing? Muddy car parks aside,
1: um, you know, obviously in, in Europe there are a lot of independent schools, so they're having to people are having to put their their, their hand in their in their own pocket and, and fork out for you know marketing, and um, they're having to, to spend their time. You know, you, you you teach from nine to four, but then they're having to kind of maybe go to um, you know hotels and sort of drum up drum up business. Um
2: mm. whereas I my life in, in really,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in the in the in the US, you know, you work nine to four. If you want to go and hang out with your, your guests afterwards for dinner or drinks, or whatever, it's entirely up to up to you. Um, but you're not having to be sort of out there canvassing for uh, for business. Um, I definitely see that as a as a a huge a huge difference between the between the two. Um, and I suppose it just depends on what sort of personality type you are because some people love that salesman, you know, salesmanship side of things, mm-hmm. and they get a real kick out of it. And other people, you know, maybe maybe not so much. Um, you know, within um, you know in, the, in, 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 in in Europe, you know, wages are are significantly higher than they are within within the US. You know, um. I mean, what's the what's the average wage would you say in France for a for a full certain structure 60 euros an hour 50 euros an hour
0: yeah I don't think it's as high as 60 to be honest with you it depends on the structure of the ski school but I wouldn't you know, depending on whether they're domiciled UK or, or, or France, but let's say around 50 euros an hour, maybe something like that. Yeah. And that's probably, yeah. Yeah. you'd be getting close on if you were full certain Switzerland, you, you know, with a Brevet or something, if you worked for a ski school, you might be getting close to maybe 45 Swiss or something an hour.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it varies across the, across the U S but you know, the region that, that I'm in here, sort of in Tahoe in California um, you know, for a, a fully qualified instructor, you're sort of looking at between like $20, 22 and, and $28 US dollars an hour, um, which is, is a substantial difference. Um, it sure is when a full-day private lesson
0: it, is, what, 800 did you say?
1: And again, it, 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 it varies, but roughly in this region, you're looking at about... Eight hundred, eight hundred-ish, eight hundred plus dollars, um, for for an all-day private. All right. Um.
0: Now, maths isn't my strong point, but where's the, uh, where's the money going then?
1: That's 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 the thing, you know. In uh, in in Europe, you know, have got a small school. Maybe you've got, you know, let's say you've got a school of twenty, which is probably not that actually that small in mm. in, in Europe. Um, but you're you're you know you you're not having to. You're not having to subsidise other other departments. You don't necessarily need, you know, a big big office or any office, um, mm-hmm. you know, for, for that matter. Um, you know, you don't have a, a locker room. And in the US uh, and and New Zealand for that matter, um, your your three money generating departments are ski school, uh, food and bev, and uh, lift tickets, mm-hmm. and they they actually subsidise a lot of the other departments. Right. Um, you know, so most of the most most resorts in the US um, that have a sort of a like a race team or a freestyle team or a mobile team sort of program, mm. um, a lot of those programs um, either don't make a whole lot of money, or they run at a deficit, and they need to be subsidised by these these other money making departments. Mm. Um, you know, they have they have departments because the um, places that I've worked but they have like a host, imagine host department. So that's kind of people who, you know, meet at a certain place at a certain time and they show people around the, around the resort. Mm. And, and, you know, after they have to pay these, these, these hosts, but people aren't paying for this product. It's just, it's a service that's provided by the the resort. Yeah. Um. so resorts have a a lot of, a lot of expenses. Um, And, and, you know, if, if they paid us, at, uh, you know, paid in, in, instructors at, at $50 an hour, um, you know, you, when you start to kind of do the math on a, you know, $800 um, all-day private lesson, you're paying $50 an hour, it, it sounds really good, but then, you know, something's got to got to give at some point. Um, and, and maybe then some of the other departments that are providing a service but they're not generating income would then, would then you know, fall by the wayside.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or no, like, like, or or yeah. Or you know, just the the, the the profit margin would um for the for the for the, the corporation or the the resort would be would be less. Yeah. Um you know, and I'm not I'm not I'm not saying you know which is which is which is better because it's a little bit of you know what works for you about horses for you know horses for courses. Yeah. yeah. Um and uh, yeah a lot a lot of people do um make that same sort of statement in regards to the cost of a lesson versus what an instructor gets in the in, in the US. Mm. Um, and make that same, yeah. It's usually the facial expression that says more than anything else.
0: <laughs> well, I, I can assure you I was making the facial expression. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Look, um, here's the last question for you because uh, we've been going for, for quite a while now um although i do like this long form discussion and i'm convinced that there's a place for this within the the ski community or the ski instructor community you've been going at this now you say to me 43 or 44 winters back to back how how do you keep yourself fresh i was the reason i say this so we're sitting in the um I was sitting in the, the, the cafe the other day with some of my instructors and we were talking about, you know, I think a couple of them are suffering, suffering from kind of mid-season blues or whatever. And uh, you know how it goes. And um, and we were sort of just, sometimes I think there can be that the, 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 the teaching skiing day after day after day remorselessly does kind of kill a little bit of your desire to go back up at the mountain kind of when you're done. The last thing you want to do is put your boots back on and, and go up there how do you how do you keep the motivation how do you keep yourself fresh after all this time
1: um it's it's it it, it, it changes you know there were definitely some some years i um, probably early to mid 2000s so i mean you're probably looking at that point you know it's sort of somewhere like 15 to 20 winters in mm. where you're like ah oh, just don't want to go skiing on a, on a, on a day off unless it's a powder day. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, here I am just you know, doing the same thing day in, day out teaching. Yeah. Um, and, um, getting involved in different, in different systems has, has, has made it really, really fresh and, and being just open, open minded, um, to, to, to ski technique. Um, and, has, has, has helped as 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 well, um. You know, I kind of I kind of think so well, I've got to go off on a bit of a tangent here. You know, we when 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 children grow, their their bones grow. You know, um, first kind of quickly, mm-hmm. and then the muscles are playing catch up. Yeah. And what I feel, is the ski industry is the um, ski technology just you know for free for, for even still. And ski technology was just going 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 nuts and it was just like every year something was changing and someone was coming out and it was bigger and it was it was it was, it was better. Yeah. Um, and and for me that ski technology was was kinda like the 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 bone. And our knowledge and our understanding of you know I talk a lot about sort of turn mechanics and, and biomechanics mm. but our knowledge and understanding of 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 them uh, in in my my mind was really playing catch-up um, and for a good few years I feel that there was a lot of experimentation within the industry mm. you know they look at world cup kind of skiers and um, you know ripping down a, a GS course you know arcing up turns in the early 2000s mm. for example and they're like okay how how are we going to try to emulate that? Oh well, look at look at the edge angle they've got there at the top of the turn. They've got this massive edge. Angle. Let's do the same. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of experimenting with 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 with, with things um, that maybe worked that that, that that maybe that maybe didn't work. Mm. Um, and from my own sort of you know personal experience through some of the different systems, you know there was there was a time where we were trying to create. Crazy, ridiculously high edge angles in the initiation phase of the of the turn,
2: mm.
1: and it's yeah. There's you, you've got this really high edge angle. However, yeah. we're not getting the outcome that, that 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 World Cup racer is because something was 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 lacking. Mm. And and I and my belief is kind of in the last eight years, uh, five to eight years, that our knowledge and our understanding of our sport has has grown rapidly, uh, and we're almost kind of aligned with with technology now, you know. And, and now we understand that edge angle alone doesn't create um, necessarily the you know the 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 best cleanest carved turn. Especially if it if it's if it's firm, is if it's icy? You know, we also have to be balanced. Uh, towards that outside ski, and we also have to balance along the long length of the outside ski, so that the, the whole thing, you know, can can engage, mm. uh, and and just constantly, uh, and, and seeking out what's kind of what, what what's the contemporary, you know, buzz, you know, what's. Um, What's the what's the latest and, and, and greatest thing, mm. um, and not just sort of listening to it and, and, and and writing it off or uh, or going the other way with it. You know, like you know this is the latest and greatest thing. I'm going to implement this in my scheme at, at all times at all levels. Yeah. And um, you know having you know we have a brain in 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 our head uh, or you know, some some people do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, okay, I'm 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 going to I'm gonna apply this in different areas. I'm going to see how it how it works. How it works for me. How does it, um, is it substantiated by you know my knowledge of you know biomechanics? Substantiated by by my my knowledge of of, of physics. Mm. And if it's not, you know, I don't just immediately disregard it. Usually, I immediately go straight to Google. Yeah. And you know, start to look some 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 stuff up there. Mm. And at that point, I may disregard it, or at that point, I might go, "Wow, my knowledge wasn't quite actually where where I thought it was." Yes. this is actually a thing. You know, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and implement it. Mm. Um, so for me, you know, the short answer of how I keep it fresh is I keep learning.
0: Yeah, that's a common theme. You know, the last last two guests have said the same thing, and I think that's that that being open to to carrying on learning is is a is a good thing and actually i think we kind of modern social media i think that's actually it's even easier these days probably to to access the new than than maybe it ever was before um yeah you know there's there's all sorts of people we talked about the self-promoters earlier and um you know there's plenty of that that Although it's sometimes it's a bit chaotic, that elite skiing Facebook page, for example, is, is very good. Um, is very good for that. There's all sorts of bits and yes. pieces kind of pop up on there every now and then.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um I, you know, we, it's, it's that old kind of cliche of you know talk talk being cheap. Mm. Um, and I'm not, I'm not talking in regards to other people. I'm in, in regards to, to myself. And um, you know, I try to make sure you know, that I that I act with, with integrity and mm. um, so i try to make sure that you know i don't just say oh yeah you know I, I, I try to keep learning and then you know get off the phone from you and go and go and have a pint and
2: you mm. know,
1: forget all about it yeah. um you know it's all about it's all about the actual the actual behavior
2: yeah
1: um, you know and and, and, and for, for for me um you know, i i like to live up to the the, the things that, that that i say so yeah it's not these are not just sort of idle words that or empty, empty words that sort of come out, and mm. um, they sort of, This is stuff that, that I that I live and, and breathe, and uh, and try to do day in day out.
0: Mm. Cool. Well, that seems like a decent note to end it. Well, I'm going to end it on on saying this. So before I floated an idea to you that I'd love to come out and do like an ideas swap and or maybe take part in your formation for score if you're doing a sort of ski school formation. Somehow, I promise you that I will try and get out there for that this year. Um If if you're down That'd for it, great. and, and we, we'll put it on the record here, so that uh, so that I kind of force myself to do it. If if you'll have me,
1: absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, I'm not the I'm not I'm not the boss, and um, we just have to to, to run up the flagpole a little bit. <laughs> but um, uh, I I I can't I can't I can't see why MD would say no. And it'd be great to, to to get you out here, and um, you know, for you to kind of see what you know we kind of do with, with 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 new instructors at the at the start of the year and how we train them, and and, and your thoughts and ideas and how you know they could alter and and you know, ultimately mm. re- refine that.
0: Super, Ali. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you so much.
1: Dave, thanks for your time, mate.
0: Um, if you wanted, I give everyone a chance for uh, for a bit of self promotion. But but um, do, I suppose the corporate you don't need to promote your corporation at SCORE anymore. But uh, if people want to get in touch with you for whatever reason, well, how would they best get in touch with you?
1: Uh, Ali McGrain on Facebook uh, is probably the probably the best way send me a, a message there. I'm more than happy to to answer questions and go for skis and you know. Look at look at videos. All
0: right, man. Well, I'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes below, just to uh, um, just just to your Facebook profile, if anyone wants to get in touch with you. But uh, thank you very much for your time again, man. That's really really appreciated.
1: Possibly, awesome, babe, I will talk to you soon. All right.